I like that. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, if you've got them. All right. We're studying the model prayer today. We come to the fun part, fun for me. Mighty warrior. We're going to talk about the mighty warrior today. Uh, we've been looking at this prayer and we've, we've been told by him in this passage, Matthew 6, he said this. He said, go in your room, close the door, talk to me, pray to me. And when you pray to me, say these words, our father, which art in heaven, praise your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do good things for me and my family. Give us this day our daily bread. Take care of us financially. Forgive me my sins. I don't want anything between me and you. As I forgive those who've sinned against me, I don't hold anything against anybody. The enemy of my soul ain't hanging that junk on me. Amen. And today we come to this part. I like this right here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because yours is the kingdom and you got the power. I need for you to do that for me. And I want you to notice that with me. That's Matthew 6, 13, where he said this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's a little short verse and it speaks volumes. Let me point out some obvious truths in that verse. Number one, there is an evil being that is able to hurt you and your family. If there were not this evil one, evil being who was able to hurt your family, why did he tell you to ask him to deliver you from them. Now, let me tell you about my nation. We're nuts. I thought I could say it. You want it fancy or you want it Southern Alamance? What you want? We're nuts. We're nuts. We do not recognize a malevolent evil force in this nation that is behind the hell in this nation. We don't recognize, our scholars don't recognize it. Politicians don't recognize anything. They don't recognize it. We totally ignore this. Dear ones, <clears throat> we're fighting the wrong enemy. If there's not this evil being that is wreaking havoc in the land, why did God Almighty ask me to stand between me and him? All right, let me just give you a few scriptures on this to back this up. What are you going to do with 1 John 5, 14, 19 that says this? The whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. Who is that? Ephesians chapter 2 says this, every person that's not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is under the influence of hell's power. He's there. All right, let, let me tell you this. Here's, a lot of people don't believe this from Scripture. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. The powers of hell can't hurt me. When did they tell you that? Of course they can. Real quickly, I'm going to walk you through Scripture. We're not going to look at any of them. I'll just quote them to you. Let me tell you what the Bible says that the powers of darkness can do to believers. Number one, the powers of darkness can tempt believers. Anybody here had anything come to your mind or a feeling or a thought or a desire that you knew was not good? Welcome to the human race, Jack. I want you to li listen. People say, well, I, the more spiritual I get, the less I'll be tempted. You're nuts. Now my nation's nuts and you're nuts. You know, listen, the, the closer you try to follow Jesus, the greater the battle becomes. Can I ask you a question? May I appeal to you? If you don't think this can happen, would you say that Jesus was spiritual? Luke chapter four, 
Satan tempted him for 40 straight days. There were not three temptations. There were 40 days of straight temptation and then three more. If he goes after number one, you reckon he'll go after number me? Acts chapter five, a man that loved God and was in revival did something really stupid. I want you to listen to what Acts 5, 3 says. Ananias, why did you let Satan put it in your mind to do this? He has the ability to tempt believers. Number two, Satan has the power and he's very good at dividing people. John chapter 10, Mark chapter four, tell us that the thief comes to scatter and divide. He loves to break up marriages. He loves to divide families. He loves to divide nations. He's very good at dividing. Uh, number three, the Bible teaches he can hinder us from great things. First, First Thessalonians Chapter two, verse 18, my beloved brother Paul said, I tried to get to you, but Satan has hindered what God is doing with us. He has the ability just to throw a roadblock in the way of good things. Number five, <clears throat> disease. Not all disease comes from darkness, but he is the author of it. I want you to listen to Acts 10, 38. Jesus Christ was empowered by God and went about doing good and healing all who were afflicted by Satan. Do you really think the living God wants people to be sick? Do you think he created sickness? Sickness and disease are the foul offspring of Satan and sin from the origin. Let me give you another one. <clears throat> the enemy can hold God's people in bondage to certain things, addictive behaviors. Luke 13, 16, Jesus said this, this woman who was a daughter of Abraham, think of it, whom Satan hath bound for 18 years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath? So here's a woman, a daughter of Abraham, that's a daughter of God, who was in bondage for 18 years by the powers of darkness. We're seeing a proliferation today of uh, pornographic addiction, substance addiction, meanness addiction. That's not Jesus. That's the powers of hell working in the lives of believers. The Bible teaches that the enemy has the ability to blind the minds and deceive the minds of people. Have you ever wondered this? Why do they do what they do? You think about that all the time. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. He can get in people's heads and screw them all up. As he's done to mine a few times, yours a few times. 1 John 1, 11 says this. He can incite people to hatred. He causes people to hate each other. 1 John 1, 11. He who hates his brother is under the power of darkness and does not know where he's going because the power of darkness has blinded his eyes. Any hatred in the land you know of today? One who's behind that? Fear, paralyzing fear. It was 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, 7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, timidity and cowardice. Isaiah 61 says this. He has the ability to discourage people. You know of any discouragement in the land today? spirit of heaviness. Uh, let me give you another. The Bible says that the enemy can steal people's prosperity. You can be blessed financially. God can bless you financially. He'll steal your money from you. He can wreak, wreak havoc on finances. Malachi chapter three, verses seven through 10 is where the Bible said this, honor me with the tithe. I will pour you out such a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. God says, I'll bless you financially. What does verse 11 tell us though? And I will rebuke the devourer so that he cannot destroy what I gave you. 
Your field shall not cease producing. Your vine shall not fail to bear. Can you see that even if God blesses you, there's something called a devourer who can come and eat your blessing and steal your blessing. Uh, let me give you one more. There's a power, powerful powers of darkness that will cause people to persecute other people because they love Jesus. The great persecution that's going on in the earth today around the world, not much in America, but around the world, the great persecution, <clears throat> it's coming in our nation. There's coming an antagonism toward Bible following Christians. And there's going to come, uh, we're not being persecuted yet, but it's coming. Listen to Revelation chapter two, verse 10. Do not fear the things you are about to suffer. Satan is going to throw some of you into prison and torture you and persecute you. You be faithful unto death. I'll give you the crown of righteousness. Who is it that causes people to hate other people because they love Jesus? The powers of darkness wreaking havoc in the land. Now, we're not here to glorify the enemy today. I just want you to know there's somebody out there. That's why the Bible said, ask him to deliver you from the evil one. Number two, I, now, I pray this don't offend you. I really do want to help you this morning. I pray I don't make you mad. Concerning this evil being, it should be apparent to you from Matthew 6, 13, where Jesus said, pray this, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. It should be apparent to you, you are no match for him by yourself. Matter of fact, it ain't even close. On your own, you're out of luck, doc. I'm trying my best not to make nobody mad this morning. Y'all just tell me, go ahead and make us mad and get over it. All right, here we go. If you think in our nation today, we not only don't believe there's a force out there, we scoff at the notion and consider that the ramblings of some backwoods country hick from the southern part of Alamance County. You're too smart for this. He owns you. He owns you. You're not smart enough. And listen to me, you're not tough enough either. I, I just love to see people when they're young and tough. I got news for you. You ain't far from calling for a bedpan so you don't pee on yourself. Just a few more days, Bubba. You're not tough enough. It should be obvious you're no match. If he asks you to do it, if he asks you to ask him to do it, that means you can't handle it. Number three, let's shift gears. All the powers of evil that are wreaking havoc in this earth, the powers of evil, they are no match for almighty, almighty God. Now let's get this straight. A lot of people act like there's a tug of war. There's no tug of war. There's a tug of war on my end, but there's not one in the heavenlies. You listen to me. Even Satan himself is terrified of just the name of Jesus. He trembles at the thought of him. All the powers of hell run from the power of God. It's not even close. The most power, perhaps the most powerful evil spirit in the Bible is found in Mark chapter 4, where a thousand evil spirits came into one man and produced one spirit. You can learn a lot from that passage right there. And when Jesus walked up, they trembled and begged him. What they say? Do not torment us. The most powerful spirit in the Bible scared spitless of Jesus. I'm going to try and keep it. I'm going to put it in language you can understand today. And they begged him. They said to him, we know who you are. Did you come to torment us? Somebody tell me the answer. Oh, yes. That's exactly why I came down here. And he did it too. And they had to ask his permission to jump to pigs. Who's large and in charge here? 
It's not even close, dear ones. As a matter of fact, uh, let me point something out to you here. We, we're overwhelmed by the powers of darkness, what they're doing in the land. When the time has come and there is a day set, God Almighty is going to speak one word and they will all be obliterated into hell for all of eternity. One word. That's why Martin Luther wrote that great song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One little word will fail him. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that this planet is on lease to the powers of hell. God didn't give it to him. Adam gave it to him. But there's a day set when his lease will be terminated. And on that day, the Bible says that God will bind Satan and every evil power in the universe. Guess how many angels it's going to take to do it? One angel. One angel will bind all the powers of evil on the planet and throw them into hell forever. There's, there's no tug of war here. Demons, you've got to understand something. In our misconception in the American church and the spirit of Jezebel that sort of entered the American church and the nation right now, we have neutered down Jesus to mild-mannered Jesus. Let, let me tell you something. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. The gentle shepherd is also the mighty warrior. There are two sides to Jesus. You understand this, don't you? Let me paint you a picture of this. One of my favorite pictures in the world is a picture of me. <laughs> Hang on, you had not heard the whole thing yet. It's a picture of me holding, a, I think it's my oldest child. And uh, she'd, she'd been born about five or 10 minutes. And you know, she was born, they gave her to mom real quick, and then they took her and wrapped her up in a blanket and handed her to me. And I have a picture, I'm holding her right here, got that little beanie on her head, and I'm holding her right here, and I'm kissing her on the forehead, and my eyes are closed, and I'm praying a prayer of thanksgiving. And it's a very tender, loving father scene. That, that's a side of me. I got that. I can be gentle with my children. But if I were sitting around the dinner table with all my children and a gangbanger kicked the door open to our house, oh, you'd see another side of me come out. <laughs> me and Smith and Wesson would handle the whole deal. <laughs> Do you understand one man can have two sides to him? The gentle shepherd is the mighty warrior. And we have gotten away from what the Bible teaches about he who is strong and mighty in battle. He who speaks and the heavens tremble. In that great uh, portrait, uh, This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti, a little puny minor league demon accidentally speaks the name of Jesus in hell one day. Hell's foundations trembled. Satan banished him into eternity after he quit trembling. You have no idea the power of the name of Jesus. I want you to listen to this, Philippians chapter 2. And he's given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, listen to this, in the heavenlies, in the earth, and under the earth. Now, our culture today doesn't bow at the name of Jesus. We curse the name of Jesus in America today. We use it mockingly. There will come a day, every knee will bow, but in the spirit world, every knee already bows to that name. So I just wanted to point out all the evil in the world is no match for the great almighty. Number four, what do I draw from Matthew 6, 13, number four, the living God is willing and desirous to protect me and you and your family. Dear ones, if he wouldn't step in and protect you, 
why did he say, ask me to deliver you? He's willing to do it. Would you be willing to step in front of your children? Absolutely. He's willing to protect you. That's the obvious part. But now here's where we get in trouble. And here's the big, here's the big covet of this thing. We get in trouble. Number five, you have to ask him for him to help you. You have to pray. You have to ask. Dear ones, listen to me. Let me reason with you from Matthew 6, 13, where he said, when you pray, ask me to deliver you. If he were going to do it without me praying, why did he tell me to ask him? Can you obviously see that I have to pray for my family to be protected? All right. <clears throat> Let me, I'm, I've, I've, I've told you this before, but we got we to get this. One of the great misunderstandings is about the two kingdoms in operation in the earth. There are two kingdoms in operation. There's the kingdom of light, which is the power of God operating in the earth. Is anything good going on on this earth? Every good gift comes from the father of lights. Anything evil going on in this earth? You got it. Two kingdoms in conflict on this earth. One is light, one is darkness. Please listen to me while I teach you this. Even we, We're just not getting this, but we got to get this. You do not have to ask for the powers of hell to invade your family. I, nobody's ever told me, me and my wife had a fight today. Yeah, I prayed about it this morning. I asked Satan to cause a fight. You've never had to pray for him to start a fight in your family. You've never had to ask him to do anything wrong. The Bible teaches you don't have to ask. He's coming anyway like a thief who breaks in. John chapter 10 said that the enemy, the thief, will climb over the wall. That means he don't need your permission or your will. What does John chapter 10 say about the kingdom of light in Jesus Christ? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You have to invite Jesus into your life for him to work. Do you understand that? One kingdom is coming whether you like it or not. The other one will only come by invitation. Revelation chapter three, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, any man, any man will open the door, I will come in. And guess what he brings in when he comes in? Everything he is. But you have to invite him to come in. One of the great telling verses in the Bible that we really, it's so short, but we just seem to miss it so often is James chapter four that says this. You have not because... You ask not. How tragic would it be to leave our families, ourselves vulnerable because we simply did not look up to heaven, look up to heaven and say, deliver me from the evil one. You got to pray. You got to pray over this thing. All right, I want you to look at something with me. The power of prayer for deliverance. Prayer is your deliverance for your family in every area. Physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, everything. I want you to look. Now listen, it's almost, almost 30 years ago. Spirit of God showed me this and I saw it. And for almost 30 years, I prayed this every morning over myself, my family, and my church. And a matter of fact, when I saw this, 30, almost 30 years ago, I gathered a group of guys. There were four of us, three other men. We were all young guys at the same age as early 30s then. And we were all headed to the same place in life. We loved our wives. We loved our families. We wanted good things for our families. And I said, we, get, we got together once a week just to pray for each other's families and to pray for our families. And we did what I'm fixing to show you. I want you to look at me in Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus chapter 17 is the great picture, the second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. This is the great picture of a great mystery. And dear ones, this passage right here explains a lot of stuff. 
I've been doing this 40 years. How many times in 40 years when things happened have people looked at me, sometimes hysterical, sometimes through tears, sometimes disappointed and asked me this, why did God let this happen? I do ones, this is not the answer for everything, but I'm going to tell you something. You read this passage, you're going to find out. The answer was not why did God let it happen? The answer was why did we let it happen by not praying? Exodus 17, watch this. Verse eight, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. What a verse. How many of you have that on your refrigerator? I bet that's one of you. Let me, let me help you for a second here. Israel is the people of God. They were on their way going exactly where he told them to go. They were doing exactly what he told them to do. They were honoring him, walking with him. And for no reason whatsoever, a superior, malevolent, evil army attacked them from Amalek, the Amalekites. And here's what you got to know. The Amalekites were a superior army. It was going to be a bloodbath. Israel was, God's people were going to be slaughtered. Their wives and children were going to be killed and their plunder was going to be taken. They didn't stand a chance. You got it? And they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. What's the application here? Listen to me. You can be doing the right thing and still be attacked. You can be doing exactly what you're supposed to do and still be attacked. There was not all attacks come because you're bad. A lot of them come because you're good. Watch this. Verse nine, Moses said to Joshua, choose some men, go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I will go stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. All right, you gotta get this. Moses is an old man, 80 plus years old now. He's leading these people. And he said, we, we don't have any choice. We gotta go to war. You take the warriors, you go to war tomorrow. I'm gonna go off somewhere by myself. I'm gonna get on top of that hill and I'm gonna take the rod of God and I'm gonna hold it up before him. Now, the rod of God was the symbol of authority back then under the old covenant. We are not under the old covenant. We're under a new covenant, a better covenant based on better promises bought by the blood of Jesus. You don't need a stick now. Tell me what we use instead of a stick today. The name of Jesus. Our authority now, it's not because I've been good this week. God forbid. It is the name of Jesus. John chapter 14, Jesus said, you've asked nothing. I give you my name, whatever you ask in my name. Jesus has given you his name to pray in. The name that carries weight. This is a tacky way to say it. It's almost like he handed me the family credit card. He's given you his name. That's why if you ever notice when we pray, we'll get done praying, we'll say, in the name of Jesus, in the precious name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. That's not a cute tagline. That means everything I just asked for is covered by the blood of the lamb. He has given you his name, but he's going to stand up. This old man going to get on this mountain and he's going to lift his hands to God with the authority of God. What's he going to do? It's called intercession. He's going to pray for the people downstairs. He's going to pray for the people in the battle. Watch this. Verse 10, so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Moses, and he took two helpers, Aaron and Hur. They went to the top of the hill. Verse 11, here's the great mystery. So it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Isn't that crazy? This man goes on the top of this mountain. Right, listen, how many of you can sort of connect the dots between those two things? Hand up. My people do something they should not be able to do and they whip a superior enemy. But when I put my hand down, 
My enemy wreaks havoc. On, listen, people died because he put his hand down. His people were defeated when he put his hand down. And maybe you think hand in the air had something to do with what was going on down there. This is the obvious point. Explain this to me. If God loves me and he's good, why wouldn't that man put his hand down Did he stop helping those people? He is a faith God. You have to act in faith for him to help you. And that hand in the air, that prayer time is what turned him loose on his enemies. This is one of the great revelations of life. When people say, well, the Lord needs to do something. Listen to me. We need to do something. We need to get our hands up in the air. All right, follow me a little further here. Verse 12, Moses' hands became heavy. Has that ever happened to you? You ever started out on fire and then petered out? You ever started out so excited we're going to do this and all of a sudden you got discouraged or you screwed up or you messed up or you forgot or you got busy? His hands became heavy. So they, now watch this. These boys that were with him, two young guys, they took a stone and put it under him. He sat on it. Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. His hands were steady till the going down of the sun. You understand what happened there? All right, these two little fellows are helping. Listen, Moses was the greatest man in the world. And these little helpers were just there to make sure he didn't stumble or whatever. And they're standing there watching this thing and they look. That man's hands are in the air. We are crushing our enemies, our people doing great. Look at that, her. He puts his hands down and we get whipped. They figured it out, didn't they? They got a rock. They stuck it under that old man. One got one hand, jacked it up in the air. Other got the other hand, jacked it up in the air. They looked at him and said, do, do not let his hands go down. They understood hands in air, we win. They got it. And listen to me. This is a picture. I thank God for ambulance praying. How many of you thank God for ambulance praying? You know what that means? If something goes wrong, call me. You know what's better than ambulance praying? Guardrail praying. What does it mean, hands in the air till the sun went down? I ain't put, ain't gonna be none of this mess right here. I'm leaving my hands up till my family is grown and we're all in heaven. I'm leaving my hands up till Jesus gets back. This is a picture of a guy who figured it out. There's only one way for me and my people to do well and be protected. I'm gonna put them hands in there and I'm gonna leave them up there. I got, you can see this. <laughs> this is pretty clear. You can see this. Watch this. Verse 13. Here's the key verse. So. What's the word so mean? You connect two verses. It's the connection. So Joshua defeated Amalek completely and his people with the edge of the sword. Why were these people so successful against a superior army? What's the word so mean? Because that old man put his hands in the air. <clears throat> Do you get it here? The power of God is released over your life and your family to protect you, your mind, your heart, your money, your reputation. Let me tell you something about your reputation. Take care of your character, your reputation take care of itself. Your family, your family's well-being. You can't follow your kids to school. Mr. Clean can. Hands in air, God works. Hands down, you even bind the powers of heaven when you put your hands down. This should be pretty clear. This is that great passage where, and you said, listen, the people were not tough. Who helped these people in this passage? Come on, guys, who helped them? Almighty God. Look with me in verse 15. Moses built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner or God fights for me. 
This is one of the eight Hebrew names in the Bible for God. Jehovah Nissi, God fights for me. How many of you would like to be able to say, my family does well, I do well, everything goes great because God fights for me. Wouldn't that be good? Hands in air, dear ones. Hands in air. This is not hard to understand here. All right. How many of you believe that literally the presence of God can surround you and your family and everything you've got and the powers of hell can't touch them? Let's look at it. I want you to see this. Turn with me to the book of Job, chapter one. Job's a book right in front of Psalm. You're going to see some of the greatest truth and revelation. I saw this also years ago and I decided, listen to me, I'm going to confront this crap that's floating around in Christian circles and mess. Stick with the Bible. I don't care what anybody says, stick with the Bible. You know, I can remember as a young man, just starting out as a preacher, and I would hear preachers and people supposed to know say stuff like, well, you know, following Jesus, you never know what's going to happen. The devil go after your children. You never, where in the hell did we learn to talk like that? Let me look that up in the Bible. Follow me, I kill your children. I didn't find that anywhere in there. Why are we scared of a defeated, puny, crushed enemy? Where's this fear come from? Let's go with the Bible. All right. How many of you know that that uh, mighty warrior side might border on redneck once in a while? Job chapter one. Man named Job, wonderful guy, loved God. Now you're going to see one of the craziest things you ever saw in the Bible. I don't understand this, but here it is. Verse six. There came a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. I do not understand that. Only place in the Bible you see it. But for some reason, right there in the throne room of God, Satan shows up right there in front of him. Watch this, verse seven. And the Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, going to and fro on the earth, walking back and forth on it. Tell me where he's at. He's walking around. Let me quote to you, first Peter five, eight. Sober up, pay attention. Your enemy, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. When are we going to start taking this book serious? Watch this. That, to me, this is just, this is wild. Verse eight, the Lord said to Satan, just pause right here. What do you think God would say to Satan if he walked into his throne room? Watch this. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? None like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man. He fears God. He turns away from evil. Ain't that the craziest thing? Almighty God sitting there on his throne, the prince of darkness comes before him and God rears back and said, you know who Job is? He's my boy. Good man. Loves me. Honors me. Does right. Isn't he something? He's sitting there bragging on Job in front of the enemy. All right, you're going to see some of the best preaching you ever saw and the devil's going to do it. Verse nine, Satan spoke back to the Lord, said, Job, fear God for nothing. Verse 10, watch verse 10. Don't you memorize verse 10. Have you not made a protective wall around him? How many of your Bibles say hedge? Really? I need more than a hedge standing between me and the powers of hell. I need a wall. Literally the word is fortified wall like a fortress wall. He asked God, have you not built a wall around him, around his family, around all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. I want you to listen to what the devil said. You put a wall around that man, his family, 
his money, his business, his health, everything he's got, I can't get to him. I maybe think that would be wonderful to hear the prince of hell himself say, can't touch him. I can't get to him. I can't mess with his children. I can't get in his checkbook. I can't do anything. God Almighty is standing around that family and I can't get to him. Is that not what we want? Why is this in the Bible? I'm telling you, you serve a God who can build a wall around you and everything you got. Quit trembling over how tough the enemy is. Start celebrating how great our God is. Let's quit, <laughs> quit telling God how big your problems are. Start telling your problems how powerful your God is. Let's learn. I le you know what I learned from this right here? Fear not. If God Almighty builds a wall around me and my family and my church and what I've got, doesn't mean things won't happen. It means they will not get to me. And I just decided, amen. Guess what that means? Hands up. Hands up, dear ones. Now listen to me carefully. Did God Almighty promise you you'd never be attacked? No. Did He promise you you'd never get in trouble? What did He promise? It will never succeed against you. Listen, we've got to learn this. It will never succeed against you. I want you to look at me in Isaiah chapter 54. Here's another one you're going to need to hang on with. I pray Isaiah 54 over my life, my family, and my church every day of my life. Every day I pray this. Now he's fixing to give you a great insight into the spirit world here in Isaiah 54. I want you to see this in your Bible. And here's one of the great truths of the ages. It talks about what's going on in the earth to, even today. This is the power of the enemy. Isaiah 54, we'll start in verse 14. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness, you shall be established. Jesus is your righteousness. You shall be far from three things. Oppression, you shall not fear and from terror it shall not come near you. Isaiah 54, 14. What are the three things racking our land today? Terrorism, fear, and oppression. Who is behind this stuff? Not the living God. And he said, these things are going to come. Verse 15, indeed, they shall surely assemble. Dear ones, as long as you're walking on this planet, you're going to deal with the enemy. They're going to assemble. Watch this. But not because of me. God Almighty does not oppress people, terrorize and bring fear into people's lives. It didn't come from him. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Were not the people of God in Exodus 17 attacked by a puny enemy? Yes, they were attacked. Did they win? Absolutely. You're going to go through things. All right, here's the insight. Verse 16, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in his fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. I created the destroyer that destroys. What do you tell you right there? I created this being. Now, if your Bible says, I created the spoiler to destroy, that's not right. That destroys. God Almighty did not create Lucifer to tear the world up. He created him to worship God. He was created to lead praise and worship. He fell and he became the destroyer. When my heavenly father says to me, why are you scared of him? I made him. I created him. The one who does this stuff. My mama used to, my mama's a little on the redneck side too. My mama used to say, I brought you in this world. Keep talking. Do you understand what God Almighty is saying here? Why are you trembling over something that I made? I created this being that's doing all this stuff. Here's the great prayer I pray every day, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
Did it say a weapon wouldn't be formed? Did it say you wouldn't get in a tight spot? He said it won't succeed. Every day of my life, I thank you and praise you, Father, that no weapon formed against me, my family, or my church will prosper. They might come, they're not from you, but every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I will condemn. There was, listen to me. There's a time to be gentle, there's a time to redneck up. And in prayer, we have got to quit being Mr. Rogers in prayer. There's a time to celebrate and fellowship in prayer like Mr. Rogers, but there is a time to Clint Eastwood in prayer. Can I get a witness? There's a reason it's called the sword of the spirit. All right. I want you to understand his power. There is a promise there. I want to read you one more and I'm going to give you something and I want you to hold on to it for the rest of your life. And I review this regularly, but I can quote the whole thing. You need to review it regular. Here's the great promise of God in Psalm 91. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Let's have some fun at our enemy's expense. Psalm 91. I want to point out something before we read it. Psalm 91 is in the Bible. Here's my point. We need to quit taking certain parts of the Bible seriously and neglecting other parts. The whole word of God is revelation and it's true. If you can't trust Psalm 91 to protect your children, how can you trust John 3.16 to get you into heaven? The whole book is good and you can trust all of it. I love Psalm 91. I have fun reading it. I read it out loud once in a while just so that the dark powers around me can enjoy it with me. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Y'all do that? What did it say in verse 2? I don't think it. I say it. Father, I praise you that you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You're the God in whom I trust. You need to say that out loud. Maybe He shall deliver you. I'm having a little difference between maybe and surely. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth will be your shield. When that crap gets in my head, his truth is my shield. I just tell him, you're a liar and you're not near as tough as you think you are. Jesus is Lord of this universe. That's the truth we need to hold on to. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Why are we afraid of a defeated foe? Why do I hear Christian parents say things like, I'm afraid for what will happen to my children? Who is your God? Why are you? I've heard people say, I'm afraid my kid's going to get on drug. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Quit being afraid of a chump. Excuse me, a defeated foe. My goodness, what in the world's happened to us? Brother Brian, don't you understand what's going on in the land? Read verse seven. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It shall not come near you. Darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord will be upon you. Dear ones, make up your mind. You're going to follow Jesus and hide in the rock in the secret place where no evil shall befall you. I'm telling you, there's a place of security in him. All right. Didn't mean to get carried away about that. It shall not come near you. Verse nine, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall before you. What did that say right there? You did something so that no evil shall befall you. 
I look, everybody look right here. Visible demonstration. How do I make the Lord my refuge so that no evil shall befall me? Y'all ready? You ready? I praise you and thank you that you are my deliverer. You listen to me. I don't care if you had a good week or a bad week last week. Do not let the enemy of your soul get in your head and stop you from praying. Who, the way you acted last week, you think you can pray. If you'll hang around to the end of this prayer, I'm not praying in my name. I'm praying in somebody else's name. And while you want to talk about stuff rather than talk about my past, let's talk about your future, sucker. I'm telling you, you're going to have to bow up if you're going to live in prayer. Pardon me, I'm trying to be mild today. Are you ready? Verse 11, I love this. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands. They shall bear you up. Let me talk to you about angels. One of the greatest lies the devil ever perpetrated on the earth is these things we call angels. These little fat, dumpy, bozo things playing a harp about that tall sitting on grandma's shelf. That's not an angel. That's a pervert. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Do you know what an angel is? Angels are fierce warriors. Daniel, who was a great man, said an angel appeared to me. I fell down like a dead man and my bones trembled till they were almost out of joint. They'd scare you spellless if they showed up. There's, Mr. Clean is mild-mannered. Listen, they make Rambo look like Mr. Rogers. They are bad to the bone, Doc, and they carry two swords with them. They are warrior beings. What did the Bible say? Ask me to deliver you. I want you to see this. He will give his angels charge. What does that mean? When I get up in the morning, you get up in the morning. We lift our voices to heaven and say, I praise you that you will deliver me and no weapon formed against me will prosper. He goes, boys, head that way. And they make their way and they circle the house and they circle me and they stand there. I'm telling you, I am surrounded. This is God's word. You don't have to see an angel to know they're there. We walk by faith and not by sight. This book is true. I'm, I realize that... Uh, I couldn't go with my kids to the public school. Probably best that I didn't go anyway. A couple of mine really didn't want me there when they became teenagers anyway. They didn't even want me to drive up and pick them up at one time. Guess who I sent with them? Boys. Travel with them all day. When Don Juan tries to make a move, knock him blind. When some <clears throat> overeducated, underdesigned teacher stands up and says something stupid, whisper in their ear, ain't that the stupidest thing you ever heard? <laughs> Guard them in all their ways. Why would I follow my children around if Mr. Clean's walking with them? Golly. All right, boy. Now, don't misunderstand me. It don't mean you shouldn't get your concealed carry and carry your own gun too, but just... <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All right. Verse 11, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is the deliverance of God. He's working in the earth to deliver his people if they will pray. Ask him. I want you to look at something in verse 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. They will be under your feet. Why are they terrorizing us when they're supposed to be under our feet? 
And he's not, you don't have to go to Ashburn of the zoo to do this either. We're not talking about real lions here. What are we talking about? These are the powers of hell that are destroying the land, destroying families, destroying people's lives. Tell me where the Bible says they belong. Under your feet. You don't have to be a great Christian. You don't have to be a smart Christian. You just have to abide in Jesus and let him run your life. And all of a sudden, the Texas Rangers surround you forever. Let's wrap this up. Verse 14, because he is perfect. No, sir, because he has set his love upon me. I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He'll call upon me and I will answer. What if he doesn't call? I'm up here to say one thing today. You have got to pray. You've got to intercede. He will call upon me. I'll answer him. Watch these words. I will be with him in trouble. Let me ask you something. Look at that verse right there. Did he tell you you'd never have trouble? No, sir. He told you I will be with you in trouble. If Jesus is with you in trouble, you fine. If Mr. Clean is around you, you fine. Does anybody remember there's a portrait of this in the Old Covenant? I love this in the book of Daniel where three young men had guts. Y'all know what guts are? We're running a little short in the land today, but they were told by their government bow down to the new God. Don't be hoping that Jesus stuff. You need to bow down to the new stuff. And they said, we ain't bowing down to nobody but Jehovah. And they said, if you don't bow down to our new thinking, we're going to throw you in the fire. And they said, let it be known, O king, stick it in your ear, dear. We're not going to bow. Let me, I'm sorry, I'll quote to you what they said. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will. But even if he didn't, we'd rather burn and worship your puny God. Golly. Where is that attitude in the land today? Why are we bowing down to the, all right, never mind. Anyway, they didn't bow, so they threw them into the furnace. They heated it seven times hotter. Furnace is heating up in this land today. Threw them in the furnace, heated it up seven times hotter. Even the men who threw them in the fire were killed. It was so hot. King said, teach them. Teach them to bow up against the new thinking. He looked and he said, boys, did we not throw three men in there? How come there's four walking around and how come that one's so shiny? Do you think that's there to teach you how to fall out of the campfire? Come on, Doc. I don't care what comes against you. If Jesus is standing there, I listen to this. He said, he changed his attitude, didn't he? Boys, would y'all please step out here so we can talk a minute. They came out of the furnace. Listen to what the Bible said. They examined them, the satraps, the precepts, the goofballs. They examined them. They didn't even smell like smoke. You know what that means? The presence of Jesus will cause you to sleep right there in the middle of the storm. There is a presence of God that will deliver you from the garbage that's destroying everything in this land. You don't even smell like smoke. I told a fellow one time, I, he said, well, you do? I said, I'm a preacher. He said, you don't look like a preacher. I said, I've been doing it 40 years. He said, get out of here. He said, every preacher I know 40 years old is sick, diseased, beat up, and determined to be disgusted. Why are you so happy? Listen, that stuff don't get to me. Guess why? Not because I'm tough. There is a fourth man who'll get in the fire with you and deliver you. We need to get away from this just a few more weary days attitude and get back to the fourth man in the fire attitude. No evil will befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. You can say what God says with confidence. We need to hold to his word. You need to believe this. All right, he'll answer. I'm with him in trouble. 
With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my deliverance. Dear ones, memorize Psalm 91. Say it out loud. Once in a while, I'll get under attack. We all get under attack and all this kind of crap will come once in a while. And I'll just think, oh, you're going to wish you hadn't come today. And I'll whoop out Psalm 91, Psalm 86, Luke 4. I'll just whoop out the sword of the spirit and they'll try to run when I start talking like this. Guess what happens? I reach out and grab them by the tail and hold them and make them stay there and listen to it. I hold them till they're screaming. Quit bowing down to a puny enemy. All righty. I'm going to say one more thing then we're going to pray. If I knew what I knew today, if I were the devil, I'm not, but if I were the devil and I knew the Bible like he knows it and I knew what I've shown you today, guess what I'd do to you? I'd tell you, listen to your Christian music all you want to. I mean, I'd prefer you to listen to some bebop crap, but listen to your Christian music. I'm not going to mess with you. Go to your meetings. I don't care. Be nice. We're all nice today. But whatever I'd do, I'd stop you from praying. Because I'd know if I can just stop them from praying, their God can't help them. Their God won't surround them. But if I can't stop them from praying, there's nothing I can do to them. Do not let the enemy have the honor of stealing from you what Jesus died to give you, which is deliverance in this life. You don't have to wait to heaven to be delivered. He will deliver me now. All righty. Every day of my life, many times during the day, our Father which art in heaven, I praise your name. You are my protector. You are my deliverer. You are my peace. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're my life transformer. You're my God. You can just go on all you want to about who he is. I praise you that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done in my life, my family, my church. Thank you that you're going to provide for me till I croak. An old man, you're going to take care of me. I'll be well taken care of. That means I'll be in a nice nursing home. <laughs> Forgive me my sins. I do not want anything between me and you. Nothing. I mean it. Nothing. And I forgive people who sinned against me. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to sleep good at night. And I praise you and thank you that you will lead me not into temptation. You will deliver me from the evil one and you will surround me and my family and my church and no weapon formed against us will prosper because you got the kingdom and you got the power and to you be all the glory. Say it there once. Say it. That needs to be go to your room and say it. Memorize this prayer. I've taught you all the long of it. You can do it in 22 seconds. Have you got time to protect your children? Come on. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins because we forgive those who sin against us. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.